Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. At every point, sin will be judged. God's not just judging the things that you think are terrible. You can roll the tape way back to these things that you don't think are so bad. But they're, they're wrong before the Lord. It's wrong before God to do these things. I don't believe there's anybody that violates God's command to not have sex before they're married that don't feel some kind of way when they first do it. I guarantee everybody initially, there's something your conscience knows you're not supposed to do this, but you go against your conscience and you do it anyway and you violate that. And some people have habitually violated that. Before you even knew how to talk, chances are you knew the difference between right and wrong. We all have a conscience that we choose to listen to or not. And at the end of the day, everyone has a sense of what's right and wrong. In today's message, Pastor Bill explains that as a Christian, we can't be habitually doing what we know is wrong. The more you ignore the habitual sin in your life, the more it gets ingrained in you and becomes your character. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The religious people were... They, they were feeling pretty big about their religious stuff. So first of all, these are the three groups. Those who do not have the law represent Gentiles. And we'll see that through the chapter. Those that are under the law, that's the Jews. We'll see them in the chapter. And the third group would be Christians. Those that have been delivered from both. And um, if you write notes, you can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. And I'll read it to you real quick. And 1 Corinthians 10, 32, it says this. It says, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks, which would be the Gentiles, or to the church of God. And I just want you to know that they separate the three. You got the Jews, those that are under the law that need Jesus. You got the Gentiles, they're just lost out there in the world. And you have the church of Jesus Christ, those that have received Christ and his forgiveness, salvation. I just want you to know there's a distinction between the three groups. And so... Moving on down now in verse um, 14 and 15, it says, Now when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or excusing them. And so everybody's heard in the world, people will say, "Only, only who could judge me? Only God can judge me. Everybody quote Tupac. You know, he ain't the first one to say that. But, you know, th- those are those are kind of things you hear in the world. Only you, you, you don't tell me what to do. Only God can judge me. And I love to tell people when they say that. You're right. You're right. Only God could judge. Only God is going to judge you. I'm just trying to make sure you've been on the right side of that judgment because you will meet him one day. But it is a true statement. I think the way that it's said is like, you know, shut up. Leave me alone. Don't say Don't tell me about my life. Only God can judge me. But I'm telling people, you don't want to wait till then, right? You, you really don't want to wait to meet him to recognize that, you know, what the criteria for his judgment is. So it is true that only God could judge you. But as you look at this here, God says, look, non-believers, they show that the law of God is written in their hearts. And so I think this is important to know when you engage the world. When I'm engaging someone that's lost, you'll find that people will fight really hard for things that, you know, you, you could tell that they, they're battling their own conscience. And so they're vigorously arguing and fighting against something because their conscience is bothering them about it. But they're suppressing it. What did they tell in Romans 1? What do they do with the truth? They suppress the truth of God in what? 
and unrighteousness. I don't want to hear pushing it down. I'm stomping on it. Everybody here, think back to when you weren't saved. Um, for some of you guys, you think back further than others. But I want you to just consider when you weren't saved, things that you had to, you violated your conscience. Your conscience told you don't do it. And you had to like push it off, push it off, push it off until you could do it. And then after a while, what happens to your conscience after you violate it over time? The Bible says it gets seared. If you take a hot iron and sear it, it loses feeling. You know, women get a, a C-section. They, they do it with a hot knife. They draw up on her or whatever, and they, they the hot knife cut straight across. So it, it cauterizes the skin so it don't bleed out. Um, as they cut her open, the feeling also is going to be, it's going to take away nerve endings and everything else is going to be numbed out. When you violate your conscience continually, the Bible says your, your conscience is seared like what a hot iron does. And so that's what can happen. And I could bear te- testimony in my own life of things that I was nervous about doing, even felt bad about doing at a point in time that I eventually lost all consciousness about it. I remember this and it, it's sad, but the first time when I wasn't saved, I, I did, you know, I did things. I was money was a God for me. The first time I robbed somebody. I never forget it. I, I went out with some friends and we were drinking and we went out and I was like, let's, you know, I just wanted, to, I just wanted excitement. And so we seen these guys walking and I, I did it. I robbed them. I took watches and, and walkmans and shoes and all this stuff. And I remember getting back to my apartment and I got back to my apartment and I'm not saved. I do not know God. I just was so I felt so bad about what I did. I didn't want the stuff in my house. So as my friends were leaving, I was like, hey, take this with you. Take this with you. Take this with you. I didn't want it. And I remember that. I remember what that felt. I felt bad. I felt bad that I took those guys and I looked at what they had. I took their bag and I'm like, they ain't even got nothing. And I was sitting there and I'm not saved, but I felt bad about it that day. But I did it again. And I did it again. I remember at by the, by the point, by a, there was a latter point in my life where it was just, there was a numbness to that. But I remember that I, without Christ, I felt terrible. I felt bad. I even took the, nobody wanted the shoes. I remember took the rest of the stuff and I threw it in a dumpster. I didn't want the stuff. I didn't want to look at it. It made me feel bad. That was a conscience, but I, I just, I didn't submit to it. I didn't yield to it. I, I went against it. And so maybe for you in some other area of your life where you would say, man, I went against my conscience. God says, that's my law written in your heart. That's me in there saying, no, I didn't create you to do that. And the conscience is written on your heart. And so you find someone living in an area of sin and challenge them on it, talk to them about it, and you'll watch that the fireworks go out. You can't tell me. <laughs> and when you hear all that venom and all that argument, that's them battling with their own conscience. You know, people don't argue like that for things that make sense. You know, it's for sin. People, they just get all riled up about it. And so, so we all have a conscience. And I think it's a healthy thing that God has put in us that I'm without excuse. You don't really have to teach somebody that murdering is wrong. How do we just know that? How come there are certain things that everybody know it just would be wrong to kill somebody? And uh, I watched a, a kind of a debate go forth, back and forth, and it was over a particular sin. And they were saying, this sin right here, this thing right here is wrong, and this should never happen. And as you walk through with people, you're like, okay, well, at what point do we really come down on sin? So child molestation, that's wrong. Okay, that's wrong, and it's, you feel like that's wrong. Is it wrong for... Two people that are not married to have sex. Um, is that wrong? Is it wrong for And we start walking down the list with them. And in their mind, there were certain things that deserve, you know, immediate radical judgment. And what we were trying to do is walk them down and say, look, at every point, these things, they grow into 
these other things. But at every point, sin will be judged. God's not just judging the things that you think are terrible. You can roll the tape way back to these things that you don't think are so bad. But they're, they're wrong before the Lord. It's wrong before God to do these things. I don't believe there's anybody that violates God's command to not have sex before they're married that don't feel some kind of way when they first do it. I guarantee everybody initially there's something your conscience knows you're not supposed to do this, but you go against your conscience and you do it anyway and you violate that. And some people have habitually violated that. And now they need to be they need to be delivered from, you know, and it's not really that you need to be delivered. I, I don't necessarily agree with deliverance ministries. And I'll tell you why. A deliverance ministry, it's almost like it's, it's not my fault, right? Who went out and had sex? I did in, in that instance. I didn't. I'm texting my wife. But, you know, in that scenario, you know, I went out, I fornicated, I broke the law, I broke the commandments. Now I'm going to show up at church saying I need to be delivered. Is that how it works? What do I really need to do? It's the R word. I need to repent. I need to repent. I don't need to be delivered. I'm going to be delivered from something that I went and, you know, I can't dive in a pool and then say, deliver me from the water. Get out the pool, fool. You know, like you did that to yourself. So, you know, th- those sort type of ministries, what they do for people is you go on to live like a fool and show up Sunday and just go get hands laid, get delivered. And you'll be delivered till next Friday. And then you need deliverance again. And you'll be in a rotation where God says, I ain't called for that. You need to repent. So so I don't believe it. That's why I'm never calling y'all forward or late to deliver you. I'm not delivering you from nothing. I'm a preacher word. God's going to convict you by his Holy Spirit. And then you're going to make a decision that I'm, I'm repenting today. And you know what God does? You make the decision to repent in obedience to God. And God says, I will empower you to keep that commitment. And you'll find that you can begin to by the spirit to put to death the deeds of the body and experience some victory. But ain't nobody delivering you from nothing. Didn't nobody deliver you to it. So that. <laughs> OK, moving on. So that's the conscience. That's how it works. And again, verse 16 was the last thing. Uh, but it says. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, he also just wants them to know that God is not just judging the known things. God's also judging the secrets, right? What is Hebrews 4.13? It says that all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so never mind the stuff that everybody sees. God's judging that secret stuff, that stuff that you don't want nobody to know about. Everybody got some stuff that you wouldn't want broadcasted. That's some stuff that you just want to bury it and, and leave it there and, and, and put it under the blood. You know, God said, I'm judging all that. So this is the cool thing for the believer. Right. Where are all your sins at, believer? Where they at? Where your sins at? They're washed away in the blood. They're far as the east is from the west, which never comes back together. All the pictures and analogies and scripture pictures that the Bible gives a believer about sins says it don't exist. If your sins are washed away. And God's a good washer. That means that they, if you wash dishes, ain't no dirt on them. If your sins are washed away in the blood of Christ, they're gone. If your sins are as far as the east is from the west and they never meet, that means I ain't never got to see it again. God says for the believer, that's what I've done for you. That's what I've done about your sins. So the believer can rejoice. There won't be no secret things to bring up. There won't be any old past things where God says, what about that? What about them things right there? But for the non-believer, never mind what everybody sees. God says, no, we're going to talk about that stuff, too. That you thought in the private of your heart, that stuff that you thought you got away with, those things that that nobody else knew. And that's why we might see injustice in our culture and everybody's upset and look at what they're doing. And look at, look at, look at, look at, look at. I'm saying one day, everybody, this is it, Christians act like they forget. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Nobody getting away with nothing. Everybody's going to give an account. Everybody. If they don't repent and they don't get saved for whatever they're doing. 
No one got away with anything ever. And so sometimes we could be all upset like, this is injustice. It is. There'll never be an injustice. Everybody's going to live so many years and they're going to die and they're going to meet God. And if they meet God without forgiveness and salvation, all that stuff is coming up and nobody got away with anything. And so I got I could relax a little bit about wanting justice right now. You need to just understand this. You're not going to get justice in this life. As long as we got human beings, which is what we got. We got imperfect human beings, carnal and corrupt as they are, running the world. There's never going to be right. We won't have righteous government or justice until Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning. So don't cry so loud about the obvious. I'm looking at injustice because I got unjust people over us. We got unjust law enforcement, unjust government. And if they put us in there, we'll be unjust too. You know, it would be imperfect, at least. May y'all might be just. And so but I do look at the Lord and say, God, but you promise. God, you said you'll deal with all this. One day it's all going to work out. So what do I busy myself with in this life? Make sure I'm walking with you. I need to be faithfully sharing the gospel with all the things that we see in the world. The political injustice, bad things happening, racial stuff, gay agenda, all these different things. If you could just squeeze it all down into something real simple. The problem is sin and the answer is Jesus in every single case. And believers can lose sight of that. Now, you're not even preaching the gospel. You out there with rallying and rioting and we're supposed to be preaching the gospel. That's how we're supposed to have an impact. And so moving on, look at verse 17. It says, I read verse 17 through 20 it says, if indeed you are called a Jew. And rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed in the law, being instructed out of the law. I'm sorry. And are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having a form of knowledge and truth in the law. So here he's speaking of the pride of the Jewish people. This is all the things about the Jews. They knew the law. They make their boast in God. They know his will. They approve of the things that are excellent. They're confident that they are teachers themselves they're to the blind. And they're light to those that are in darkness. And they're instructor of the foolish. And they're teacher of babes. And it just says this. Having a form. That's where you know it's not right. That's where you know everything that they see. Of they, how they see themselves and how God sees them is different. God's a, you see yourself as this. You're doing this. You're teachers. You know the law. You're walking this. But you have a form. Of knowledge and truth in the law that word form is telling it reveals this that what you see and what I see is not the same thing you see yourself like this God said but you just have a form what is a form um, if you ever take your kids to the beach and they sell those little things and you stick the sand in and make the castle so you can have a perfect castle because the kids never make a perfect castle with their little bitty hands and, but it's a form you stick the thing in there and it, and it forms a perfect castle and you stick it out there the sand is Formed to the little plastic mold that you put. God says, you guys have a form. You guys are like, you're in this mold. It looks like on the outside, but, but it's not reality. You just have a form. You got an outward show of all these things, but it's not in reality. He's about to bust them. So I would say to the church, I would say to the Christian, I would say to the believer, because I've seen this with my own eyes more times than I want to say, where people feel justified because they know something. I've sat down with people and you're trying to tell them something and they finishing the verses. But I know that verse. But you ain't doing it. You're not doing it. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking. 
So, but I'm sitting, I'm sat down with people. I'm sat down with men and we're marriage counselors. I'm telling me, Bible says, you know, love your wife like Christ loves her. Die to yourself. Die, die, die. That's my word to men. Anybody, any men here that's been in marriage counseling with me, you've heard that from me. Die. Because that's what the Bible says. You die to yourself. The husband love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You're going to sacrifice. You're going to die. Get good at it. You can have a good marriage then. That's just what the Bible says, right? But I'm, I cannot tell you I've sat with, I know that I was just, like they want something new. Tell me something I don't know. I got nothing. I can't tell you nothing you don't know. I'm telling you what you don't do. And so there's a deception that can happen in the mind and the life of the believer where I know what the word says do. So I feel like I'm okay because I know it. I can quote it. I can speak it. I can tell somebody else it. But I'm not transformed by it. If the truth that you know is not transforming you, that should be a great concern because the word, the primary goal of the word of God is to change me. Right. When I go into the word of God, it's first for me. I I can never come to the word thinking about y'all first. First is for me. God's speaking to me. These commandments are to me. God's checking me on these things. The word James says the word of God is a mirror. And as you look into the mirror, you see things that are right and it confirms you. You see things that are wrong and you're convicted. You need, I need a change. But needless to say, when I look into the mirror of the word of God, I, I'm either confirmed or I'm challenged. But it's a mirror to transform me into his likeness more and more and more and more as time goes by. That's the goal of the word of God. That's the primary goal. Now, as I'm being transformed and God's working on me, I might be equipped then to reach out and help somebody else. But primarily, it's, it's for me. And so... For the Jews here, they had all these accolades, all these things that made them very proud. They, they, were, they were religiously proud, but God was not pleased with them. You, you read your New Testament and God, the biggest issue that Jesus had was religious people. That's in the Gospels. You come into the New Testament. The biggest issue in the New Testament is the Jews. Those that just, they didn't, Jesus' program was too radical and it didn't give credence to all their rules that they had been keeping. And this is the problem with religious people because they keep a few rules, some extra rules, and they feel some kind of way because you don't keep their rules. And so back here, you had the Jews looking at Gentiles eating stuff that they couldn't eat. And they was probably jealous. Somebody on a diet. Go out with somebody that ain't dieting. And you got a salad and a couple of skinny pieces of chicken. And they got steak and bread and soda pop and looking at the dessert menu, you know, like you, you just be stumbling you, you know, like you, you, you need to watch what you eat. That's what happened. You know, they start, they start giving you some, some corrections or whatever in the spiritual realm. That's what the Jews were doing to the Gentiles. They were, we circumcise ourselves on the eighth day. We don't eat this. We practically ceremony. We dress like this, blah, blah, blah. And you guys are just believe in Jesus. No, it's too easy, too easy. They had, they couldn't, they, 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 they couldn't stand the liberty that y'all could dress like that. Nah, that, that's carnal. You can't dress like that. You know, you know, that, that, we got churches today do that kind of stuff. Women, women in here with pants on. You know, y'all couldn't go to some places. They'll look at you all kind of painted your face. You got makeup on. I mean, I, if it was in the Bible, y'all, I would preach it. You know, I mean, but it ain't in there. Please wear pants, wear something, cover up, you know. And uh, my pastor used to say if, if, with makeup, you know, if, if, the, if the house needs painting, Paint it, you know, and um, and it might don't need painting, but some of y'all like just just for just to accentuate your beauty or whatever, you know. It's all right. Why would we make extra stuff, right? Because this is what it does for the women that don't do it. When you step in there and they got the Shiite suit from neck to ankle, and they got no makeup on and the hair is how it's supposed to be or whatever. Now they get to look at you like, 
Did you see her? Mm. And they feel, I mean, that's not Jesus. So we have to be careful as we walk with the Lord for some time that we don't develop those kind of characters because God don't like that. It's not pleasing to him. And it doesn't really have his heart. I feel this is how it should happen. I believe that in a church setting, someone may come visit or whatever. And then they may be, it may be very apparent from what you see when they come in that they need help. So then we should, there should be some people that are praying right away. Lord, give us wisdom how to approach her, how we can love her with your love, how we can reveal to her. Please pray for her. I pray she hears the message that it penetrates her heart and it helps her. I pray that we have a positive interaction. We go reach out to her and she sees you through us. That's what the believers should be doing. It shouldn't be a bunch of women looking and saying, mm, she thinks she's cute. I bet she came from the club and that. And all that. Like, you ain't never did it, you know? Um, that We don't want to do that to people. So, because none of that, that doesn't accomplish God's heart. But you took a team of women that are that are their heart was to love her and reach out and they reach out and they love her and then she gets saved and God began working on the inside out before long it'll show outside but it takes some time. I was thinking back to when when I first met my wife I still had I was still very very I was only saved for two months. I was still very rough around the edges and my out my attire back then was still kind of gangster and it just that was just how I had always dressed, and so most of myself was blue. Um, it was clean gangster, but it was it was that's how it looked. And so I remember her trying to find a way to get me to wear some other stuff. And you know, women have a way because she was kind of cute. She was like, "Hey, we should go shopping together one day." I was like, "For you? No, like for you. Like we'll go get some stuff." I'm like, "Okay, well, I get my pants here. I get my shirts here. You know, I already know where I shop at." And she was like, well, let's look. Can I pick something cute for you? And then we'll go out. And I was like, eh, all right, I don't know. and I, I'm and I'm going to tell you this. She put me in some dockers that have pleats in them right here. And it was a not. It was now it got to be blue. It was all blue, navy blue. It was a knot of the shirt. And but I remember and I had to tuck the shirt in. And then I had to buy some shoes that were not tennis shoes. So it was these other kind of shoes we got. And I remember, you know, going out. But hey, and I guess only my dad couldn't have talked me into that. My mama couldn't have talked me into that. Nobody else. But I'm like, if this is what you want, then we're going to go out and eat something. I mean, I guess what we're going to do, you know. Um, but I look back and think if she had came at me, you know, that you said, yes, I don't like how you're That wouldn't have been effective at all for me. I wouldn't uh that wouldn't uh it wouldn't have been good for me. And little by little, I started throwing away old stuff. And the Lord started challenging me that if that's not what you are, why you want to look like it? And, and God started changing my heart in time. And it was better for God to change my heart than for somebody to try to externally put some stuff on me. You know, like I said, she had a way because she was a woman and, uh, and I was interested, you know, so that was kind of helpful. I sped up the process, but we want to be careful that. We, we love each other that way, you know, that God's going to do a work in people, but God does a work from the inside out. So when you see the external is messed up and it's just a clue that they need some work, you know. And so as believers, you do the work. You pray, you love, you share. You pray, you love, you share. You let the Lord do it inside out. And when God does it, it'll be legit. They won't be doing it for you. They'll be doing it for him. And that's a big difference. If you can get a group of people to, to dress different for you, well then they'll do it when they're going to be around you. But when they go out there, they're going to do what they like. But when you get people to a place where it's like, man, I'm doing this for the Lord. 
Well, now you ain't got to be present because God is working from the inside out and it's a real transformation that he's doing in their life. And that's what God wants. God doesn't want a bunch of religious people showing off for each other. God wants to do a real work of his spirit in people's hearts and lives. Do you ever start thinking about God's immense love for you and get lost in the amazement? He loved us enough to send his son to die in our place. But Paul, in his letter to the Romans, takes it even a step further when he says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't look at humanity and think we were doing such a great job on our own. He looked at us and saw that we were broken sinners, lost in rebellion, and he loved us anyway. If you haven't yet made the decision to follow him, know that he is looking at you and loving you. He loves you just the way you are today. If you like to learn what it means to follow him, you can call or text us at 310-245-4811. We love to walk you through the story of what God has done to offer you salvation. Once again, that phone number is 310-245-4811. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the book of Romans in this series a book filled with wisdom and instructions for life. If you missed a message and want to go back, you can find all our messages on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab for links to YouTube and our mobile app. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you again. Meet us right here next time for another great message on A Transforming Word.